Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm your host, Carly McBride. Before we dive in, here's your weekly reminder. Make sure you're subscribed to Order Up on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That way, all our new releases go automatically into your podcast feed and you don't miss an episode. Today, we're bringing you the final episode of President and CEO Michelle Korsmo's discussions with industry leaders in our CEO series of Order Up. In our first two episodes, Michelle spoke with leaders Kent Walrack and James Fripp about the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation and some of the incredible programs they produce. She also spoke with Julie DeCock, owner of La Creperie Cafe in Key West, Florida. If you missed either of those interviews, we will be sure to link them in today's show notes so you can listen back. Today, Michelle is joined by Casey Absey, owner of Blackbird Woodfire Restaurant in Fargo, North Dakota. Casey is closely familiar with the ins and outs of small business ownership. As a restaurant owner and operator, Casey brings a frontline perspective on management, employee culture, and operations. Michelle and Casey, thank you both very much for joining us for today's discussion. So, Michelle, I'll hand the hosting duties over to you to speak with Casey today. Thank you so much, Carly. I am so excited for our conversation today. You know how it is when you go on vacation and people always say, oh, where did you go and eat? And that's always the thing people are excited about. Or what are your local restaurants? Where are the places that you go? And then you have those places that you go back to on a regular basis. And you're starting to look forward to the places where you can go and eat. So I'm originally from North Dakota, as is my husband. And we have made for the last several years a family tradition of going back to North Dakota, where we spend an extended period of time for the summer. And our girls get to enjoy the North Dakota that we love. And we spend time as we're getting ready to go talking about what we're going to do this summer and what we're looking forward to. And invariably, for my entire family, we have a countdown for how many days until we get to go to Blackbird. Blackbird is this beautiful restaurant that Casey Absey, our guest today, has created with his family. And it serves delicious food that, Casey, you clearly have such a talent for making, in addition to just a wonderful ambiance with a terrific staff that we are also always looking Looking forward to going to see every summer. So really excited to have Casey on the podcast with us today to talk about the little slice of heaven that you have created in Fargo, North Dakota, and share more of your story with everyone. So thank you for being here, Casey. Well, thank you for that. That's awesome. <laughs> you never grow up tired of hearing that. <laughs> no, and you shouldn't. And you it's should. a little humbling. No, you create that magic uh, every day. And so thank you for that. Well, tell everybody about your story and your restaurant journey, because like so many, you have a pretty exciting story. Although I think that the story I hear most often from restaurant owners is the story about how they started in the dish room, right? When I was a young kid or a teen, I got a job in the dish room and I was hooked on the hospitality industry. And now I own X number of restaurants have this great restaurant group. Your story is entirely different because of course you actually started as a respiratory therapist and then made the transition. So can you tell us about that? Well, I started in the dish pit in high school. Ah, so that is what the start is. At a Bonanza sirloin pit uh -huh. and uh, progressed up to, eventually I assistant managed a Bonanza restaurant. And then I went to school and became a respiratory therapist for 30 years. But I always liked 
the restaurant business. So I did that for 30 years. And then I always cooked. I always baked. Started putzing around with pizzas. And my first attempts were terrible. And I thought, (laughs) how hard can this be? So I kept putzing around. And then one summer, I decided to build a barbecue. And because of Google, I stumbled on wood-fired pizza ovens. Uh So I built that in my barbecue and started cooking pizzas in there. And then it progressed to, we bought a mobile oven and me and my kids and wife started doing small events and festivals. Uh And then eventually, old friend of mine that I used to actually work with, he showed up and had a pizza and we talked. He came back later with his wife and had another pizza. Then he came back with his kids had another pizza. The next day, this was a two-day event. The next day, he brought his brothers and his nephews and had some more pizza. And then he said, I'll be in touch. And sure enough, he got me going. I didn't want to do it at first. And uh, Uh we ended up looking around for spots and Blackbird was born. So why didn't you want to do it? So we had done it for about four years. Just we rented a kitchen and my kids had gotten older and they were getting tired of it. And yeah, I just didn't have the wherewithal to, I couldn't hire people because it was so hit and miss. Yeah. You know, we do three, four events a summer. So I was like, well, I guess this ran its course. And then it didn't. (laughs) It didn't. It definitely didn't. It did not. Talk about making that. I know you talked about this a little bit before. I love the story of how you came up with the right recipe for your pizza dough. And you talked about how you tried. I mean, how many different iterations did you have? Every Friday was pizza night to the point where my kids were resenting (laughs) Friday nights because I would make pizza. I would try this. I would try that. And I just read and experimented. And then the key was proofing it in the refrigerator. That seemed to just make all the difference. And then I used my own little blend of flour and stuff. Yeah. And then you also do some really amazing things with bread. So my family has a very standard order. In fact, most of your team doesn't even have to ask us what we want because we love the bread plate, the cheese plate, the sausage apple pizza. And then, oh, your wedge salad is also a thing of beauty. So you're making your own bread. Mm -hmm. You're also making all of your own jams and jellies, which is the excitement. What's on the menu tonight? What's on our bread plate tonight for whatever beautiful jam you have? And then you clearly make your own dressings too. Because in our house, we're trying to figure out how to recreate the beautiful blackbird dressing on the wedge salad. Oh, I'll give you the recipe. Oh, excellent. Nice. (laughs) How long did you spend perfecting all of those recipes from the different types of breads you make to your dressings to your jam? Well, most of those are things that I always made. Uh We always baked here. We always cooked. So they're things that I just kind of brought with me. And the dressing was one we always used here at home. Nice. Well, you eat better in your house than we eat in my house, but I'm grateful (laughs) that you've expanded that. So you were talking about how you were thinking I couldn't hire a workforce because it's just a hit and miss when you're doing the mobile pizza truck. But you've obviously started this restaurant that's been around... Almost 10 years. 10 years. I was going to say you get close to 10 years. And you have hired a workforce and you've built a very consistent workforce. So let's talk about that a little bit. How does the community in Fargo and those community ties really guide your hiring process? 
Well, a lot of word of mouth. We really don't advertise for hiring. Since COVID, it's been a little harder. Mm-hmm. But before that, we never had to advertise. It was people's friends. We have a lot of relatives working for us, relatives, kids, yeah, stuff like that. It creates a certain atmosphere, I think. I've got a handful of people that have been with me since the beginning. And then I've got another big handful of people who have moved on, but I can call them and say, hey, I need help with a big event this weekend. And they're all in. Which is so great. And that's part of the culture that you create. When you're thinking about creating that great employee culture, are there things that you think about in particular? We try to treat everybody well. We try to avoid the server cook divide almost yeah Yeah. the divide is not there because everybody that starts there if you're a server you're going to learn to stretch a pizza and probably be able to cook it and if you're a cook you're going to go out and host or serve a little bit or at least be able to yeah so that everybody knows everybody else's job somewhat plus it helps in a pinch somebody can come back and help out and we have an open kitchen yeah so everybody should be able to help everybody yeah. And, and I think that's been a big part, it seems, of your retention as I, you know, every year we go in and see Nicole and Riley. Mm-hmm. I think I remember the first time I saw Riley, she was actually in the kitchen. Yep. She started in the kitchen. Yep. Making pizzas and making cheese plates. And she was great. And now she's just a delightful server, which is, you know, fun to see her face there. But as you talk about that kind of split between the kitchen team and the service professionals. I think it's interesting that this is a conversation I've heard a lot in the restaurant industry about really avoiding the phrases back of the house and front of the house. Now in your restaurant, the kitchen isn't in the back of the house. It's in the center of the house. And so for people that use that euphemism, the heart of the house, for you, it truly is the heart of the house. Yeah. But I've always liked, and, and I think that advice I've gotten is really avoiding that euphemism of back of the house or heart of the house, and instead talking about culinary professionals and talking about service professionals, yeah. really for highlighting what they do. Oh, I think so. And I encourage them to talk to the guests and people come up like you do and just talk to them. And it's, yeah. I think it's cool. They, I think they feel like they're part of it. It's almost a show sort of. Yeah. I think it gives us an energy that other places might not have. Yeah, which is great. So let's talk about your operations and operations in general. So, you you know, we can see so much as you talk about your kitchen. We see your entire kitchen at Blackbird. And then there are other things in the restaurant business that nobody does see. And one of those that we spend a lot of time talking about in the association is the credit card aspect, credit card transactions, credit card fees, and different restaurant operators who are faced with these ever-increasing credit card fees look at it differently how have you kind of looked at credit card transaction fees and has it impacted the way you operate your business? It's kind of one of those necessary evils. We've attempted to add it on to the check, like a service fee, Yeah. but there's legalities there. And I don't want to increase food costs to cover it because food costs are up anyway. So we're just dealing with it for now. I don't want to pass it on to the customer But in reality, it's their fee. Yeah, it's part of that transaction. But a lot of them don't want to pay it either. (laughs) So, And I think that that's the tough part about it being a non-obvious part of the restaurant business is that people don't really realize that those fees are a big part of your expense base. Yeah. And what we've seen in studies is you've got labor, food, and 
transaction fees is often the third highest expense. Yeah, it's a couple percent every month. Yeah, definitely. And what kind of reaction did you get when you were thinking about the service fees? And I know there are legalities about how to do that, and every state is a little different. But the other thing that we've seen a lot of is the way that the customer is reacting to service fees. What are you seeing in Fargo? Yeah, it was mixed. We'd get people who were, sure, it's part of going out to eat. And then you'd get people that you literally would have to reimburse as soon as they saw it. So we just got rid of it for now, and eventually we'll figure out a more appropriate way to deal with it. But everything's gone up. Food costs are just through the roof, and labor has gone up. I don't even know how many percent since COVID, especially. Yeah. It's getting tougher and tougher. It is. What are the things that you're doing as you deal with increased food costs? Are you making different decisions? I mean, your menu, I mean, you have people like us that are coming in. We don't want to look at the menu. We want to we know what we want, right? This is what we're looking for. But do you change your menu? How do you handle that? Yeah, we have a special every week. We try to change a few things. I guess we're not changing it too much. We still want to be us. Yeah. But if we can find something a little cheaper, we'll go that route. But we're not going to go that route to lessen quality. Right. In the summer, we try to do a lot of local vegetables and produce. We do local lamb, local meats as much as we can. Yeah. Which makes a big difference. Yeah. And also creates just such a fabulous flavor. Oh, I think so. What about technology? Do you think at all? I mean, this is one of the things I've been having conversations with a lot of smaller restaurant operators thinking about, you know, is the big companies are looking at technology that they're bringing into their practices. It's kind of a question for smaller operators is, is there a place to use some type of technology for me and my business? How do you approach that? Well, we upgraded our POS to a lot more innovative POS. You know, we used to handball all our dough, but I did buy a dough baller. Oh, that is kind of a big upgrade. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I can move my shoulders again. It's, <laughs> especially with the new place, we go through so much more dough. The baller is awesome. Yeah. It's funny how those little things can make such a big difference. Oh, yeah. You kind of resist. I'm old, so you get stuck in your ways. But then once it comes in, it's like, why didn't I do this five years ago? What was I thinking? Yeah. You're not that old, baby. I'm pretty old. <laughs> well, you mentioned the second place, right? So let's talk a little bit about the bird. For our listeners, the bird is a smaller offshoot of Blackbird Woodfire that's actually in Bruhalla, which is kind of an event location. And so now you've got this second location. There's a lot to thinking about that expansion. I mean, we started this conversation with you talking about going from the special events traveling oven to an actual physical restaurant location. What's the thought process you go through when you decided you wanted to do the burn? Well, the guys from Drecker Brewing, who I've known because they opened right after we did, and they were only a block away from us. I've always been friends with them and gotten to know them really well. And you've been good for their business because you have the beer flights. And for anybody that's going to Blackbird, it's lovely to get a beer flight and you have all your local brews that are there. It's all local and regional beer and cider. Yep. And Drecker is usually front and center in your portfolio there, which is good. So they approached me about being in it. They built an event center slash tap room. They're so awesome. And it was sort of a no-brainer. So I have a small stall and we do wood fire pizza out of there. But it's it's a little simpler. It's almost like doing our mobile process, but we don't have to fight rain and bugs. 
like you do when you do your mobile out at yes. that blue stem at Trollwood. Because I know you do that. And as I also understand, every night you're doing pizza at Trollwood Blue Stem, you're selling out. Yeah, when we do that, we have uh, about eight concerts a year out there. So we'll go there and do the mobile. And how do you find that those mobile or little kind of micro sites like the Bird and Brujala help your main restaurant? Do you notice a difference? We get a lot of people asking us if we have a brick and mortar or we get regular customers who are out there and they immediately come get a pizza from us right. and you build relationships with, you know, we're a small community. Yeah. So it's just a fun thing to do. It is a fun thing to do. And it's fun as a, you know, a loyal Blackbird fan. It's fun to go places and see Blackbird pizza because you're excited about. Yeah. And it's fun for us to see our customers and friends out and about and to feed them there. And they'll say, oh, God, I just was at the restaurant yesterday. And then, so, yeah, it's, it's a fun thing. Just, you know, in our family, we've decided that you can have Blackbird multiple days in a row, and that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's um, talk about the most probably high-profile thing that happened at Blackbird. And that was when Guy Fietti visited your restaurant for diners, drive-ins, and dives. And I think this was, it was during the pandemic. Right at the beginning of it, July of 2020. Yeah. Tell us all about it. That must have been very exciting to have him there. But what did that do for your business? Let's talk first about the prep. What was your preparation before they came and did the filming? And then what was the after effect? Well, I got an email from, or actually I got a phone call from somebody. And I thought right away it was a scam or a hack. So I hung up on him. <laughs> and then she called back. She goes, don't hang up. <laughs> this is real. <laughs> so... It was one of the producers and she sent me an email and it was legit. So yeah, there was a lot of prep. It was a couple months beforehand. We had to get ready and it was three days of shooting and he was there for about an hour and a half, but his production company or staff is incredible. We had so much fun with them. Very unfortunate. It was during COVID though, because the food network insisted that when they weren't shooting, they were in their hotel room. Oh, Normally, I guess they like to go out and party. So <laughs> we didn't get to do much of that with them. But. Well, and at that point in time, so early in 2020, as we can remember back, COVID hadn't really spiked at all in North Dakota. Not yet. That really came later in the fall. And so that was a time where there was still a little bit more freedom, especially when you could go outside and do things. Yeah, it was a lot of work. And it was super exciting to see him and to be with him. He's a super good guy and he's so professional. He knew I was a deer in the headlights. So he just, he knows how to work with you to get you to do something. Because uh, yeah, I'm not good at this stuff, but <laughs> he drew it out of me. It was awesome. He was a lot of fun. And business-wise, I would say it. we get so many people who come in and they follow where he goes. Right. So we've had people from all over the world come in and go, oh, we Guy Fieri was here. We're going to eat here too. And so he's done a lot for us. Do they order the same thing he ordered? Because he focused on the Mediterranean meatballs. Yep. And sausage apple pizza. And sausage apple pizza. And again, sausage apple pizza is always on our list. It is so delicious. So do you find people order that same menu mostly? Yep. And then they'll branch off, of course, but it did a lot for us. 
and you're still seeing people come in. Oh, absolutely. You can almost tell when they maybe re-air it because you get more people that are coming in. And he left a signed picture of himself and people are over there taking pictures with it. Isn't it a half sheet? It's a full sheet pen. A full sheet pen. Nice. That's a great thing. So Guy Fieri loved your Mediterranean meatballs and the sausage apple pizza. What's your favorite Blackbird dish? I like the meatballs because I'm Lebanese and it reminds me of kibbe a little bit. Oh. If I eat pizza, I am a red sauce sausage guy. Which is so interesting because when I think about your pizzas, I don't think about the red sauce sausage pizza because you have so many wonderful varieties. Um, pretty basic. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, well, the basics are great and you do them exceptionally well, exceptionally well. I know one thing I got a kick out of when we first started coming to Blackbird, I think it was you who told me that you don't have a microwave oven and you don't have a deep fryer, which for a lot of restaurants and for all of us who are Midwesterners, we know it's unusual to have a restaurant in the Midwest that doesn't have a microwave. I didn't have a deep freezer until COVID because we started doing frozen pizzas. And uh, now we stopped doing frozen pizzas. And so half the freezer is empty. <laughs> now you have the freezer is empty, but you still do a lot of takeout. Yes, we do quite a bit. Which is good. How is the off-premise business for you? People coming in to get meals to go still? It's good. It's a good chunk. It's nice. Well, it's fantastic food. I took it off-premise several times to coin a phrase. All right, Casey, I would love to have you share with all other small business owners in this industry a little bit of advice because you've done this so well and I know you weren't necessarily expecting it. So what advice would you give to other small restaurant operators or people thinking about coming into the business? Well, it's worth it and it's a noble uh, undertaking, but it's a lot of work and you got to put a lot of other things on standby. I guess if I were to do it again, and you can't manufacture it, but a, a partner would be awesome. Mm. My wife recently, who also worked in the healthcare industry for many years, she quit and has come to work with me. So that's made a big difference. I've got a partner who's got a vested interest and we work well together. So that's made a giant difference. So unfortunately, it's nine years into it, <laughs> but <laughs> I think... You just got to go in and get gritty about it and keep at it because it's a lot of work. But so worth it, as you said. It is. The amount of relationships and friends and opportunities I've had because of it has been incredible. It's a lot of fun. Well, you've earned it because all of that hard work is apparent in the welcoming staff that is your team. It's apparent in the beautiful food that everyone in your restaurant creates and the hospitality that you provide. Thank you so much for being here with us, Casey. This was so wonderful to chat with you at Blackbird. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Great. See you soon. You too. Did you know the National Restaurant Association produces and hosts several webinars each month to serve and grow the industry? Topics ranging from hiring and workforce, food safety, DE&I, and the most relevant policy topics for restaurants. All previous webinars are also available for on-demand viewing. To learn more about upcoming and recorded webinars, please visit restaurant.org slash events slash learning. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. 
Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.